Welcome to another episode of My Life's Work podcast. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Sarah. We're excited to explore the diverse paths that lead people to their life's work and share our findings with you. If you'd like to follow along on our journey, check out our previous episode about David Stoop, a cellist-turned-lawyer from a small town in Germany. You can subscribe where you found this podcast and see pictures accompanying each episode on our website, mylifesworkpodcast.org. In today's episode, we're bringing you the story of Capitol Hill resident K.K. Otteson. You might know K.K. from the striking photographic portraits and interviews in the Washington Post magazine's Just Asking column, or her two books, Activist and Great Americans. Over the years, she's developed and refined her love of storytelling as a way to explore the essence of humanity. She's had conversations with some of the most prominent and well-known people of our time, from the late John Lewis to Anthony Fauci to Megan Rapinoe. But she's also spent time focusing on the stories of people who are often overlooked, such as survivors of our criminal justice system, ground-level activists in fights for social justice, and hard-working farmers in the Midwest. KK generously spoke with us over a video call and shared a glimpse of her life's work. KK's exuberance for her work is immediately apparent when she talks about her life. Rooted in her childhood curiosity and in the values instilled both at home and in her Quaker school, she built a career based on the work that she found meaningful. My path could not even be charitably called a path, right? It's just a zigzag of a mess. Although KK doesn't see it as a path, it was clear to us that she found her life's work early on, and then she sought to pursue her life's work for a living. Her drive to use her skills for good in the world and to satisfy that childhood curiosity propelled her onto her career path. It's like sailing. You tack left, you tack right to kind of get closer to where you're going. But you do have those moments where you feel like, yeah, that's right. As a young adult growing up in Chevy Chase, Maryland, and attending Sidwell Friends at Quaker High School in D.C., K.K. developed a love of photography and a drive for service. At home, her mother, an artist, and her father, a public health expert, taught her to follow her passions, but to always look out for the people who are left behind. Well, I don't know if there's such a thing, but we were not the power DC family. It wasn't like senators or lobbyists. You know, my dad is a, a scientist and a doctor, and so he worked at NIH. But he worked on infectious diseases, and he works on tropical diseases. So these are diseases that afflict people in very poor areas of the world. And so public service was definitely something that was in our family. You know, take your tools and use them. And my mom is much more artistic. You know, she taught art at some point and she's a writer also. That was an influence. And then also just not taking a normal path. KK had a deep curiosity about people's stories and about what links us all together, no matter our backgrounds or experiences. When I was a kid and we would, like for every family trip, we would just drive and drive. We never took planes. We were just sort of like driving to Ohio, driving to the cousins in Pittsburgh, you know, and just kind of looking out the window and just wondering, like, what would it be like to live there? What would my life be like? What would I, you know, think about? Just all these different worlds that were so intricate that I knew nothing about. And that was just this curiosity about what it's like in different parts of the country. KK realized that her future jobs could give her a peek into these worlds and her career aspirations were shaped by this idea. You know, at the time, I thought, okay, when I grow up, I'm going to move somewhere, get a job, and just, like, live there, work there, and understand what it's like to live there. And then, when I know, then I'll go somewhere else, and I'll get a job, and, you know, do the same thing, understand what it's like. With those interests in storytelling still alive in her, KK opted to focus on political theory in college. I was very interested in social issues, sort of social justice, sociology, like just why the world is the way it is and what we can do to change that. Continuing on that path, K. 
KK returned to D.C. and interned for the National Law Center on Homelessness and Poverty. However, she also had to find a way to support herself. I was always trying to figure out a way to have some sort of side hustle where I could earn the money I needed so that I could do what I really wanted to do. And so I did many things over the years to sort of make that work. Throughout her life, KK has prioritized keeping her passions alive, even when it has meant taking on unusual jobs. Like in other decisions she made, KK chose positions that would give her a glimpse into new worlds. She secured a job delivering the Washington Post in the early morning hours, both giving her a new perspective on city streets and allowing her time in the day to continue her internships. And so that was like 4 a.m., going out, freezing cold. You meet this sad little band of you group in front of the drugstore and fold the papers, put them in the bags, you know. It sounded like such a great idea, like, oh, I get this done from like four to seven, and then I have the whole rest of the day to do the stuff I want to do, which was the volunteering, the internship, that stuff. And um, I didn't actually last that long. It probably lasted a, a couple months, and I was just exhausted all the time. KK's next job in her path continued her interest in social justice, this time in the form of working for a nonprofit that promoted investment in low-income communities across the country. You know, and so I sort of, I did the creative side, I would sort of do with the research and then with even laying out reports. And I did a lot of things as you do at a small nonprofit. And so then I would also do the graphic design there. And then I sort of, I got tired of being, you know, a young woman working in this industry where it was very male. You know, I was always the youngest in the room and one of the only females and you know, so people would be like, oh, yeah, I'd like a cup of coffee. Thank you so much. And sort of like, well, actually, that's the report I wrote, but okay. KK realized that her next step would have to be to attend business school in order to understand the financial side of her work. I did not want to like, you know, have some big job and live in Greenwich, Connecticut. Like I wasn't trying to do that, but I wanted to learn finance so that I could take it into these sort of more social justice angles where I felt like it was really needed and that it would give you the currency to understand what was going on and, and to be able to do creative finance and make things happen. Even though she applied to business school, KK still yearned to understand other people's worlds. So, the summer before she started business school, she embarked on a new adventure. For the past couple years, a book idea had been simmering in her mind. As a young child looking at the windows of the car at the houses that passed her, KK was overcome with curiosity about the people who lived there. Now, she set out to travel the country and talk to people in disparate communities along the way in search of common ground amongst us all. I was thinking, well, how could I, how could I do that? It can't be too diffuse. You've got to focus it. And so uh, then I had the idea of what do we have in common? That's one of the central questions. And so I was thinking about as Americans, what do we have in common? It's just sort of these cultural icons shared history or sort of at least what we call our shared history. And so I thought, oh, what if I took these great American names, quote unquote, and found regular people all over the country with regular lives who just happened to have these names. And that would be one, the way to choose them. And two, sort of the cherry flavor and the cough medicine to get people to sort of, oh, okay, let me focus on that. Okay, I get it. That's my way in to this person's life, to their story. Hearing people's stories, KK understood what her life's work was meant to be. It felt like it all clicked into place. By the first interview, I was like, oh my God, I love this. This is amazing. You know, because I thought it was going to be really driven by photos, more just kind of sociological information, like name, age, religion, whatever, just kind of really basic stuff so that you could kind of understand who somebody was, but the real information would come through the picture. 
But then when I was hearing them speak, I had a little recorder with me, a little cassette recorder. And the way they were saying the stories, what they were saying, but also the way they were saying it was so great. The accents, the regionalisms. And I just was like, oh my God, I've got to get their voices. I've got to get their stories and their stories in their own words, because that's just what really is resonating. And it's just tells so much. And then you you know, you layer in the photo and the story and it, you get a more full sense of somebody. KK's conversations filled her with meaning and vitality and excitement, even when she wasn't at her best. I remember one other time I was down interviewing somebody named Herbert Hoover down in Missouri. Actually, I was sick then and I had a fever and I was feeling really crappy. And I remember going like, oh, I can get up the energy to go and do this. You know, and you got to bring the whole thing and sell them on it and make them, you know, the story and you're going to someone's house to like take this seriously. And I just remember trying to get myself to go. And then I also remember when I pulled away after this wonderful conversation with this just wonderful man and I caught sight of myself in the side view mirror of the car. And it was like, my face was so alive and happy. And I just was like, oh, because I had been so the opposite before this thing. But then the, his story and just the privilege of getting to meet somebody and to hear their story and to work with it was like, boom, I was back, you know, and I just felt so happy and just grateful. So there were a couple of moments like that were just like, yes, absolutely. This is what I should be doing. And I love it. And I'm so excited. During an interview KK conducted recently with Congressman John Lewis, he explained what inspired him to become an activist and put into words the sensation KK felt when she knew she was on the right path in her career. The reason that he spoke out was that he said, you cannot be at home with yourself unless you do something, unless you say something. Like you're out of kilter, you know, and then when you are and when you when you, you're doing what you feel you should be doing, you feel it and you go, oh, yeah, and and you want to do it more. You know, it makes sense. It feels like, okay, of all the things that I can give to this world, the way that I can engage, like, I'm good at it, I enjoy it, whatever it is, you know, this makes sense. And so, you know, whether it's activism or whether it's your regular path, it's something that resonates with you. And so, you know, you can't trace the steps always, but you, but you kind of know when you're there. And not only did this new work energize and excite her, but she also felt that the work she was doing was important. By understanding each other, by hearing each other's stories, we can find commonality and connection, which are precursors for social justice. While no longer working with nonprofits whose missions were to better our society, KK is still focused on how she could make the world a better place. Each person has something they say that really resonates, and you go, oh yeah, yeah, that says it just right. And so I do feel like, really, the people I speak with, the advice, their stories, they come back to me all the time. You know, if you do your Venn diagram with somebody, like the point where you overlap and you're just like, oh yeah. And that's what I love about it. It's like, it's just so woven into who I am because I get to talk with them and I get to learn from them. Her interviews also had a profound effect on those she interviewed. One person actually wrote and said her father, who'd been in the book, had died and said, you know, that was like the highlight for him. That was just such a big moment in his life. Even though KK was having the time of her life working on her book, she still had to return to business school in the fall. I had no way to finance this book project. I blew my wad driving around once and then I had to pay for school. I had to pay for life. I didn't have any funds saved up. I'd been working on a nonprofit. And so I just went ahead and went to school because of course that's all loans. But that didn't mean she'd given up on pursuing her newfound life's work. So it was sort of like I kind of put on this outfit and then went along and tried to learn what I could from it. But also, you know, it was just sort of there was no question. In my mind, that was never going to be my end stop. That was a way to 
understand the world and credential myself, and then it was going to be a goodbye. KK wasn't always certain she was in the right place, but she had a feeling that she was still heading in the right direction. Sometimes in life, you're looking, you're kind of wondering, am I where I'm supposed to be? You know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be. And I was already sort of at a big crossroads and trying to figure that out. So I'm doing this thing about great American names. And there's a guy in my business school class named Jerry Garcia. And I was like, that's awesome. Okay, maybe, maybe that's just some sort of little cosmic confirmation that I'm not totally off path. Despite business school taking up most of KK's time, she managed to squeeze in loops around the country for the book during her breaks. One summer, in order to finance her next trip for the book, KK took up an investment banking job in New York City. Her experience was a dramatic contrast from anything she'd seen before, from her father in public health to her Quaker high school. It's another world, though. There I was, like, in the training class. I had a new suit. I'd gone to Walmart to buy, like, fake pearls. So then I'm there, like, walking down the street in New York with these 49 other people who have been, you know, in this class and like all of us in our suits. And it was like, it was just surreal. Like I didn't, you know, my family is not, nobody was in business. Like the corporate world was just so different. After she graduated from business school, KK took another investment banking job. She had little interest in continuing that type of work, but a big signing bonus from the job financed her third and final loop around the country for the book. Just like her internship the previous summer, the experience was unlike anything she'd seen before especially because the bank was acquired by a different company a week before she was scheduled to start, resulting in the firing of half of the employees. Here I am, like, I've never set foot in there. I had negotiated to start late. I was like, oh boy, that doesn't look good. But I, I think I was so low on the totem pole that they just kind of forgot that I was there. And so it wasn't the best experience going in. It certainly wasn't the group I'd signed up with, but for whatever reason, they kept me around. It was a strange environment. When KK first showed up at her desk, they still had the business cards of the previous employee that had been laid off. When she said hi to people in the hall, she got no response. Looking back on that job, KK never wants to do anything like it again. Sometimes I'm like, oh, should I just get a job job? And then I'm like, oh my God, no. Like, when I go to those meetings, I'm like, I would die. Like, my little soul inside would die. But she took what she could from the experience and moved on. KK moved into a small apartment in Brooklyn to finish her book. I couldn't fit both a bed and a couch in there. And I had gotten this awesome orange velour couch at the thrift store down the street. And so I was like, I can't give up the couch. <laughs> so I didn't have a bed. I just slept on the couch. <laughs> oh, and I, I never cooked anyway. So I turned the kitchen into a dark room. In the old dishwasher, like my pictures would hang to dry and like the whole thing. It was very makeshift, very DIY. Anyway, but it was funny because I was just in that apartment like nonstop because that's when I was working on the book. You know, I had so much to do and I was just in the zone. For some, her environment might appear less than ideal. A tiny apartment without even a real bed to sleep on. But KK burned with excitement about her book and her opportunity to share the stories that she had heard. KK's book was published and she returned to D.C., hoping to continue on this new path. I completely found my niche. But, of course, life isn't that way. And my old boss, from when I worked at the nonprofit, got hold of me and she said she had um, pancreatic cancer. And she was only like 44 or something. So she was young. She had two young kids. And, and she was ill. And she said, look, if I pass away, will you come back and get this thing back on its feet? And so, of course, I said yes. And she, unfortunately, did pass away. And so I sort of put the book stuff on hold and I went back and I did that. I was hoping I could just do it for a year, but it was a real mess. It was like 400000 in the red before they even paid my salary. Like there was no money. 
I was going to get married and we'd saved up some money. And I was just like loaning the organization money from our wedding fund. It was just like, it was a mess. It was a mess. So KK worked in the nonprofit for two years, trying to help it return to a solid financial footing. When she was happy with its direction, she left the nonprofit in order to try to find a job where she could return to the work of writing and photography. KK had always enjoyed a feature in the Washington Post magazine that published As Told Two Stories, and she decided to get in touch with the magazine editor to see if he would consider her as a contributor. I just sort of cold called the editor there. I didn't know anybody there. And so I just reached out to him and credit to him. He said, why don't you show me some of the stuff you've done? So I sent him the book and he, he liked the book. And so he said, okay, I'll give you a shot. You know, why don't you try one? And then we'll see how it goes. You know, and it went well. And, and so, and I still, I'm still working with him. It's the same editor. And, you know, credit to him for giving somebody random who just reached out a shot. KK's interviews and photographs are featured most weeks in the magazine and Just Asking column. This has been a consistent part of her career for more than a decade, and she's been able to fluctuate the size of other projects dependent on other priorities in her life, such as raising her two children. Her latest big project culminated in the publication of her second book, Activist, Portraits of Courage. It presents stories and photographs of over 40 activists and their journeys. Currently, KK is back to working on smaller projects in addition to her Washington Post magazine work. One organization that she's working with is the Free Minds Book Club. It works with um, young people who've been incarcerated in D.C. and then they're sentenced, they're sent all over the country because D.C. has no prison, you know, and it's really hard to stay in touch with family. So telling those stories and, and sort of looking at the criminal justice system and figuring out from people who are actually experiencing it from all different sides, whether it's a judge, whether it's a prosecutor, whether it's a mother or a girlfriend or someone who's locked up, you know, just some of the stories that that hopefully we need to all think about in order to work on reform, but also so that we can kind of promote empathy. Both of us walked away from our conversation with KK inspired by her love for and belief in her work. Before our chat with KK, I had a strange reaction to the advice to do what you love. You know, it was something I heard a lot of adults say. Maybe because of that, I didn't really like that advice. It just seemed boring, totally cliche, and when they explain how they did that or how they wish they did that, I think I always mentally rolled my eyes. But talking to KK has given me a different outlook on this response. She explained the great lengths she's gone to to pursue what she loves, and hearing it all, I couldn't help but listen closely. It was only after, when I was reflecting on this incredible conversation, that I realized saying do what you love was not necessarily as simple and bland as I had always thought, and generally wasn't just said as a convenient answer to throw out to the crowd. For many, that advice rings true, and now I think I see it that way as well. It's one of the ways people can find happiness in hard work. For KK, the most important thing is having work that she loves. This is a recurring theme in her story, and it's especially clear when she talks about how a certain job would crush her soul if she stuck with it. For others, though, the most important thing may be different. Their priority may be to have time for their family, or to have a lot of money and a considerable safety net. When we started this podcast, I didn't know what questions I should be asking myself when considering future jobs. KK has filled in a piece of my jigsaw puzzle. I now know that one of the most important questions I can ask myself is what is most meaningful. Is it money? Is it time? Or is it choosing the life's work that you love and loving it unconditionally, no matter what? For me and Sarah, for KK, for you all, we have to think about how exactly to balance our priorities. I think I can say that there isn't any satisfaction at either extreme, but where I lie on the spectrum is a question that I will continue to think about. For me as well, the question of my priorities is something that I'm still figuring out. Another theme in KK's story that struck me was her determination to learn from every experience, 
even one such as business school and investment banking that were not perfectly matched with the work that she found meaningful. KK recognized those situations as opportunities to gain new perspectives and skills, but she didn't spend an inordinate amount of time doing so, allowing her to focus on her passions, writing and photography. Right now, distance learning is definitely a less than ideal situation, but hearing KK's story reminds me that rather than dwelling on the deficiencies, I can identify ways to grow from the experience. A second piece of KK's story that resonates with me is the power of conversation and connection, the exhilaration of finding places of overlap with someone different than you. It made me think of an experience I had last year standing in line for hours to watch a Supreme Court case. As we stood in the cold early morning, waiting to be let in, I chatted with my line neighbors. On one side was a young woman from Puerto Rico who had been avidly following that morning's case, which dealt with Puerto Rican independence. And on the other side was a woman from Texas who had traveled across the country to experience the majesty of our government in action. We were completely different from each other in most regards, but when we were finally let into the court and we had two more hours until the case began, it seemed only natural to sit together in the cafeteria, learning more about each other. Looking back on this, I don't actually remember the particulars of our conversation, but I remember the kinship I had felt with those people who had previously felt so different from me, the exhilaration of that connection, the overlap on our Venn diagram. We would love to hear from you. Do you remember a time when you connected with someone that you previously thought you had no connection with? Have you had a conversation with someone that changed your perspective in an unexpected way? Email us at mylifesworkpodcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, mylifesworkpodcast.org. To learn more about KK, visit her website, kkodison.com. That's k-k-o-t-t-e-s-e-n.com. And follow her on her Twitter, at kkodison, or Instagram, at kk.odison. To see her incredible work, definitely check out her books, Great Americans and Activists, Portraits of Courage. You can find her feature Just Asking in the Washington Post magazine every Sunday. Next episode, we'll be talking to Dr. Jennifer Cartland, a lifelong educator, you may know as the beloved former principal of the Capitol Hill Cluster School. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day.